But to be effective in the gym, effective lifting weights, one of the main things you have to be able to do is feel the results of a movement and make adjustments to make that result better. That's where the optimization comes in. Being in the right gym environment can really elevate everything you're doing, especially if you have a good support system. Like I know when I prepped, everybody here was like pushing me, making yeah. sure I was good. All right, guys, another episode of Anabolic Activities. I got my boy, Big Doug here, Doug Fruche. Fruche, that's it, well, wow, good Fruchet. job, man. good job. He is an IFBB pro, he trains over at Gold's Gym. I'm very excited, I'm a fan of Doug's. I've been watching him on social media for a long time. And I actually have a story with him when me and Wyatt Films saw him in Gold's for the first time. He looked like a linebacker, but I was too scared to say <laughs> anything to you. He was just walking around like this, training a client or something, and yeah, but now I finally got to meet him yesterday. We trained shoulders and chest. Shoulders and chest. He showed me a couple things. Maybe I can have him have you explain some of those things, like maybe the rear delt exercise yeah, we did. Yeah, that'd be good. One. But yeah, let's get right into it. So, Rock and roll. Doug, I'd like to know a little bit about your like when you were my age and younger, just kind of how you came up, yeah, how you man. got into bodybuilding. I'm sure you talked about it a million times, but just give the people a little something, a little quick. Man, well, I'll tell you, first off, when it comes to when I was your age, I was a mess. That's the best way to put it. I was definitely still finding my way. Um, I joined the Army at 18, right out of high school, and that was pretty short-lived. I was in the Army and out of the Army within two years. Um, just got in some trouble there, and then consistently continued to get in trouble until I was about 23, 24. Um, and that's when I really found my way and found bodybuilding. Um, bodybuilding really gave me uh, a, a level of discipline and a sense of control over my life that I hadn't really felt before. And so that's, that's what really brought me to it. Um, but yeah, that, I mean, bodybuilding was just, it was everything. And so when I was younger, life was a mess and, and I couldn't really find my way. And I saw a lot of my peers kind of move on and go through those normal steps of life, going to college, having kids, et cetera. And I just really didn't, didn't, didn't fit there in that, in that headspace. So I, I found bodybuilding in that, that, that regiment and that just intensity of life as a whole, I mean, as a, as a bodybuilder, it's not just what you do in the gym. You kind of live your entire life with a, with a certain level of intensity and attention that a lot of people don't have. And they, they kind of let their work dictate, their career dictate where their intensity and where their attention goes. And we choose to put it here for whatever reason. Everybody's got a different one. But uh, I, I chose to put it here and I still am every day. Yeah, that's yeah. refreshing because I'm very similar to that. I didn't fit into the whole, you know, go to school stuff. I found bodybuilding. I was blessed enough to find this gym and be able to call this a home. So yeah, definitely relate to you on that. But I did some uh, studying on you. I watched a lot of podcasts on you. You got to Gold's Gym in 2015, yeah. correct? Wow. Yeah, Yeah, 2015. And then tell me, I have a lot of stuff to unfold there because between Charles Glass, working with a couple different coaches for your diet yeah. and just your style of training, kind of keeping the old school like gritty, hardcore bodybuilding training alive. Yeah, man. That's one of the reasons why I look up to you because you see a lot of these guys do like, not to hate, but a lot of by the book, science backed, not that there's not a place for that, but everything has to be super, super optimal. And I see a lot of things like you showed me yesterday, like the rear delt, hopefully we can explain yeah. that, but 
stuff like that i just never would have thought of because nobody really puts it i don't see a lot of it out there especially now in social media no definitely not and i think a good way to put that is you know i i learned that from pedro barone who's an ifb pro from from back in the day who learned that from charles i mean so it's just all handed down passed down piece by piece and i think a lot of the stuff that's coming out nowadays guys are literally let's let's be real they're finding easier ways less difficult less taxing less stressful ways to do a lot of this stuff. And, and sure, maybe that's good. Maybe some of that innovation is really gonna help longevity and stuff like that. But, but you're not gonna tell me that Chris Cormier did things wrong in the gym. You're not gonna tell me that Charles Glass did things wrong in the gym because the proof is in the pudding, right? It's there. Yes, it might've been more difficult. Yes, there might be other ways to do it. But I, like you said, I like the old school way of doing it because those are the guys that I look up to. Those are the people that taught me how to do it. And that's, that's the, the methodology that I respect and love. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Chris Corn, all those guys. All those guys. I mean, that's why I Legends. went to Golds. Uh, one thing that I learned really early on is if you want to be good at something, you want to be, you know, at the top level of something, you have to go where people are at the top level, right? Like you're not going to grow to the top level of, uh, uh, of football if you're not in a, in a good football program, right? Like you're going to be better at football playing at Alabama than you will at Alabama A&M, right? You're yeah. just going to grow better. So I, I went there because that's where all the people were. I mean, before I got to Golds, I was sitting there watching muscular development videos just like everybody else and, yeah. you know, just dreaming that I would be there. But I went there. Right. Yeah. yeah. No. Yeah, that's definitely, that makes a lot of sense. I like how creative you guys, you and your wife are in the gym. Like, I learned that from Mark, too, mm -hmm. is just keeping it fun. Keep As long as the intensity is there, that's what I'm getting from all you guys, is as long as the effort is there, it really doesn't matter if how optimal what range of motion you have to do for it to be most optimal for hypertrophy. I'm sure there's some exercises where you're maybe thinking about that, but from what I got yesterday, just go hard and stimulate, man. Yeah. stimulate the muscle. And I think everybody's different. And part of being a good bodybuilder and not just a bodybuilder, because I think if you use that term, you tow, you, you know, you tow yourself into that competitive bodybuilding world, but to be effective in the gym, effective lifting weights, one of the main things you have to be able to do is feel the results of a movement and make adjustments to make that result better. That's where the optimization comes in. It doesn't come in from looking at somebody do it and saying, well, if I do it like them, it'll be better. It's feeling what that actually does in your body, right? right? Yeah, that yeah. makes a lot of sense. So speaking on, you mentioned muscular development. I just watched, I watched it a couple times, you and your last show at Boston. Oh yeah, the, the Boston, Boston show, yeah. yeah. With Jose Raymond, right? Mm -hmm. That was sick. So can we go over the process for that? Were you still working with Chris Aceto during yeah. that time? Yeah. Okay. Um, Chris and Jose are very, very, very good friends. Um, and But Chris Chris was the guy. He prepped me for that show. And then Kenny Wallach actually helped me with some posing for that show. So that whole week of time, we spent a week. We flew into New York, went to Bev's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, trained at Bev's, and then drove on Wednesday from Bev's to Boston. And so I had a whole week with Steve and at that gym, not with Steve, I'd be clear about that. Steve was just at the gym. We talked, you know, he wasn't helping me or anything. And then, but, um, so when we got to Boston, Jose was doing the coverage for the show. So he was hired by muscular development to kind of be the, the press guy and, 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 and do the interviews. And so obviously because him and Chris knew each other, Chris called him and was like, Hey dude, you got to see this. You got to see Doug. Like he looks real good. And so that's kind of how it went down. And then we went and posed and then I was blessed to have Jose want to, you know, give me some publicity on the show. So that was, that was like a, Dude, that was a that was a bucket list thing for me. That was like a first. Like I couldn't believe I was the guy, yeah. you know. That everybody else was sitting over their computer, like, man, look at this. And Jose's in my hotel room stealing my donuts. And I, saw I remember that. that. <laughs> <laughs> but those are good. Yeah, man, that was. 
You that was shredded. cool. That was Your that was the most shredded. That was the most conditioned I have been. I mean, I I I, I tend to to lean on my conditioning a lot. I'm proud of the yeah. the conditioning that I bring. But that was that was something real. I mean, I remember when, like coming off stage, George Farah from across the gym yelled or from across the room yelled and was like, "Those are the best glutes in the game." And I was like. I mean, I could have gone home then. I was fine. That's like, sick. that was cool. I don't care what place I got in the show. That's, that was cool. Yeah. And there was a lot of those, like, through that show. And I think that was just a really great time. Yeah. 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 I would like to know kind of what it takes. I mean, I know it's, it's pretty basic, I'd like to think. But just mentally, like, what are you thinking going in, like, getting to that level of conditioning because i've only done one show yeah i didn't peak at all i just got decently lean just from dieting and cardio and just stepped on stage just to get some experience but sure. i th you're the first pro i've seen and been able to get oh, the man. opportunity to talk to so i just want to know like what the mindset is like do you really cancel out outside life completely do you find balance like what does that look like towards like maybe six weeks oh, out it's a little different for everybody uh, i really believe that but me personally yeah, I do kind of, I mean, my life is, I keep my life pretty focused on this as a, as, as a general rule. Like there's not much else. I, I train, I train clients, I, I eat, I hang out, we go for drives. You know, it's, it's pretty basic. But yeah, those last five to six weeks, everything is perfect, right? Every meal is exactly to the gram what you need it to be. It's packed, it's taken with you everywhere. It's taken at a certain time. Training is as close to, I mean, it's as optimal as you can possibly make it. Um, one thing that's nice about my physique and my, my structure is I don't have to, I, I'm really not able to, to deplete very much because then it's so hard to come back. Like if I deplete myself with glycogen, it literally takes about a week to fill me back up. It's just that much food and that much, that much carbohydrate. So, so I get, I get a pretty easy road into the show. Um, I'm usually pretty in shape, pretty close to that for like a whole two weeks. I just kind of live that way. Yeah. Um, and that makes it easier for me because then I don't have to like cut water like crazy. I don't have to carb up like crazy. It's pretty basic. I try to keep everything those last two weeks, every single day should be exactly the same. So that that Saturday you go to get on stage, your body's like, oh, this is just a normal day. I've eaten the same food for breakfast. I've, well, minus the cardio and the training, obviously, yeah. but, but you really try to keep it as, 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 as basic and as, as same as the day before as possible. That's sick. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. And then I know... Again, I've watched a lot of stuff That's about cool, you. Man. You said you were trying to build up your upper chest, right? Yeah. For the front pose, yep. correct? Everything from, from here up on the front poses needs to be just more bigger, fuller, rounder. Okay. So can you break down kind of how you would structure that in your... I asked you yesterday, but just for, for the people listening, yeah. how you would structure... I've got a lot of questions on our anabolic account, um, how to bring up a lagging body part or just how to approach it and structure it in maybe a program or if you just kind of freestyle workouts yeah how many times a week should you hit it how much is too much or too little excited to announce that we dropped the anabolic template it is a program bodybuilding slash power building to a certain degree it's a lot of volume it's a lot of top sets it's you know it's not for the week but it is going to get you jacked and it is going to make you a lot more strong. So go over to anabolicactivities.com or go to our Instagram at anabolicactivities and click the link in our bio. Now back to the program. Uh, again, I think a lot of it is so individual that it's hard to put like 
to put like real limits on it. You have to go by how you're feeling, right? So let's, let's start, that's a, that's a pretty multifaceted question. Let's start with how you would structure the programming for like your upper chest, say, because there's, there's literally no such thing as too much upper chest. Not a single person on the face of the earth, you look at him, you're like, man, he did too much incline press, his upper chest is too big. Like that just doesn't exist, right? So with the upper chest, we know that that's a priority, but we also know that in order to build the upper chest and, and, and stuff like that, our shoulders have to be strong. And so in order to be able to press that heavier weight, our scapula also has to be strong enough to hold us in that correct position. So you have to train all of that in balance. For me personally, I've found that like chest and shoulders twice a week is, is totally fine. You're gonna get good chest stimulation, you're gonna be fairly recovered, and you're gonna also be able to get good shoulder stimulation. And so I structured the two, like the, those two workouts, those are my, like my two main days. We have chest and shoulders, we have legs, we have back. And those chest and shoulders comes about every three days. And that, that's how I structure it. Um, let's see, where else should I go with that? I think it's important to make sure that you, 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 you mix your stimulation between the heavy compound stuff and the volume stuff that really helps to isolate it, especially in the upper chest. Because if you don't, if you just say, for example, you just make sure you start twice a week with inclined barbell press and go heavy, um, you're gonna do something, but you're not necessarily going to figure out how to isolate that chest in that incline barbell press. So sometimes start with something a little bit lighter, like dumbbell incline, for example, and focus on the isolation, and then go as heavy as you possibly can while isolating that upper chest because as you inch that number up, your barbell is gonna be better at just using your chest primarily rather than mixing the chest and shoulders so much. So there's a lot of give and take with that stuff to make your body able to take those things to the next level, endurance and strength-wise. Right, thank yeah. you, thank you. Yeah, that, that breaks it down pretty, pretty good. And then on the topic of structure, you just said you have somewhat structure with training like you have you know you prioritize certain muscle groups mm -hmm. but yesterday we talked about you know following a certain workout regimen writing things down tracking things so i found it interesting i'm the same way i do the same thing with mark is we kind of just go in the gym and go off feel so how beneficial like do you think if you got on a program now it would be you would get crazy amount of progress how important do you think a training program is compared to just kind of doing what you do and just using intensity and stimulating the muscle regardless of what exercise you choose or if you're tracking or not um you know i've never been the guy to, to do that i've never like carried around a notebook in the gym or really tracked my progress even like my my progression as far as strength like it's just not something i've really tracked mainly because I've only really trained as a bodybuilder. Like I never was a powerlifter first. And so I competed in powerlifting because then I could see a real benefit to, hey, I'm, you know, I went up five pounds each day, you know, each week in, 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 the, in the movements I'm tracking. But for me, that never really was a thing. I mean, I never really, I didn't even really care how much weight I lifted. It was always about the stimulation of the body. Um, I feel like another reason a bodybuilder would use a plan like that is if you had a coach working with you, especially if it was a remote coach. And so the coach needed to know exactly what you were doing so that he could make the changes he thought were necessary. Whereas if somebody tried to coach me in training, they're like, well, what'd you do for chess last week? I'd be like, well, last week I did this, 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 and this. And the week before I did something completely different. And you know, then another guy can't come in and say, well, it was that that didn't breathe the results and we need to add more of this to breathe those results. But since I make those decisions myself, I don't see a need to, to, to catalog it. I think I do a much better job, you know, intu intuitively just knowing what my body feels good doing and what my body needs. Um, now there is some structure, of course, like 
the split. Like we train the same things on the same day most of the time. But, but you know, what happens if, you know, Thursday's not the same Thursday as it was last week? You need to shift it around. If that's going to really mess up your training, then you're going to have a really hard time. But if you can easily swap those days out and roll with those punches, as a whole, you're going to do better, I think. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Thank you. That makes a lot of sense. Another thing that's very refreshing because everybody now is by the book with everything, has to write everything down, has to track everything. So every workout has to be the same. Yeah, and I mean, look, there's definitely, there's definitely some good to that. Like, you know, let's go back to the scientific method. Like, that is literally the way you track progress. I get that. But, but, but I'll look at it like this. My, my focus is not on my progress. My focus is on my end result. And I feel like by developing the relationship I have with my body and the flexibility and intuition that I have with my training, my result is better. I don't focus on that. I feel like the guys that focus so much on the minutia of their training, they miss learning how to make those decisions themselves. It's almost like you're just, you're just going through a process that somebody else has designed for you. You're not designing a process. You're not creating anything. And that's what I think, that, I mean, I find the beauty in that, in training. We're, we're creating something. This is our art. This is our, our lifestyle. I didn't, want, I didn't want homework, you know? I didn't want to yeah. follow someone's plan. Yeah. I love this too much. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Thank you. So, touching on Charles Glass. He's yeah. a legend in the bodybuilding world. Um, very smart man. When did you, did you link up with him in 2015 when you got no. there? Or how did you guys kind of cross well, paths and start working together? I mean, I was a dude that was watching Charles' videos from Albuquerque when I was working in the computer store. You know, I was that guy. And I knew that I wanted to work with him. I loved all the things he did. I learned so much from like that. And so I went to Gold's. And I, I mean, I would say that I hounded Charles, you know, I mean, there's plenty of people who want to work with Charles and plenty of people with a lot more potential and, and fanfare and stuff that, that Charles, especially when I first got there, he was still working with a lot of the pros and stuff, but I just, I just went and pursued it, you know, as that's as plain as I can say it. I pursued him. I was like, Charles, I want to work with you. Charles, I want to learn from you. Charles, I want to this. Charles, I want to be around you. Charles, I want to know you. And, and it was, it was, it was pretty much like that. And I just, you know, we just, we're good friends and we worked really well together, but yeah, man, training with Charles, it was just something I knew had to happen. Yeah. You know, that's why I yeah. went to gold. Yeah, definitely. Um, speaking, one last question about training. Yeah. Um, there's this, I think it was Chris Cormier and um, I forgot who the other guy was, but they were having a debate on low volume versus high volume training. That split, how... You know, training like Jay Cutler or training like Dorian Yates, which is, you know, maybe one to two top sets yeah. all out. And then maybe, you know, four, four or five sets per exercise. Do you have any structure or do you have an opinion on that? Like, would you consider your training high volume, low volume? Does it even matter as long as, like we said, you just stimulate the body? It's, I, I train pretty high volume. Uh, okay. What I like, I like to, I like to explain it like this, right? Like you have... You have, you have these two sides of the spectrum. On this side, you have really methodical, isolated, focused reps, right? Like everything is in perfect form. The activation is exactly where you want it, and you focus so much on that. And then on this side, you have moving as much weight as you can while trying not to die, right? Yeah. I'll steal that from Mark. That was the best way to put it. While trying not to die, you're just everything you can. Doesn't matter what muscles you're really using. Doesn't matter your force, your explosion. You're, you're just moving weight. And I, tr I believe that my training is to bring those two together. You want to move as much weight as you can under the perfect 
execute and control that you possibly can. And, and as those go up, your strength overall goes up. So I think that's where the, the power bodybuilding facet comes in because I, I'm a, I mean, I'm a bodybuilder. I care about the way my physique looks, the symmetry, the conditioning, the size, etc. But I also want to use my body to the fullest extent and, and, and push heavy weight and be strong and be capable. And so I feel like in order to do both of those together, you have to bring those two ideas together. So some stuff like, yeah, I mean, sometimes I'll, with incline barbell, we'll do set, you know, we'll do five by five, uh, but then we'll go to dumbbells and we'll do four by 15. And then yeah. we'll go to flies and we'll do three by 20. And then we'll come back, you know, so it's, it's, it all changes. And I think that there is correctness in all of it for yeah. sure. You know, it's, and, and I mean, tell me this, like if you do low volume on one exercise, are you going to get, do you think you'd feel the same if you, on your second exercise, you went low volume or would you feel better if on the second exercise, you took the weight down and shifted your idea, shifted your goal to getting the stimulation through all 15 reps, right? It's a totally different stimulation. Your body's going to feel completely different and you're probably going to stimulate different fibers through each of those exercises. Okay. You know, so it's just, and, and, and however you, you know, how you feel that day. Do you feel like that was really good going heavy? Should you keep going heavy? Or do your joints hurt and you really felt like you got a lot of shoulder in that last set and you should pull it back and go some dumbbells and go lighter, you know, stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. It's no, a full conversation every day. Yeah. That's interesting. Cause I see a lot of bodybuilders saying, uh, throwing out like junk volume and throwing out things like, why would you do four sets of 15 or four sets of like straight sets compared to basically like if you're not going to failure you're not stimulating the muscle enough to grow so that's why i asked like well you know but failure has so many different failure looks a lot different in it you know every time yeah. you know and, and you can achieve failure over there on the heavyweight but then come over here and achieve failure every set at 15 and still get something different out of it right yeah right okay so and then there are a lot of people that say you shouldn't train to failure every time i don't understand that i mean if you can do another rep fucking do it yeah you know yeah <laughs> yeah yeah no, I definitely saw that. Got to experience that yesterday. Got some rear doubts. Maybe we could show yeah. real quick what, and you learned this from Charles? Well, this is indirectly. You know, you look at bodybuilding a lot like football coaching, right? Like you have the Bill Belichick coaching tree, and I don't know enough about all the football coaches, but like Bill Belichick has worked, or 17 other head football coaches have worked for Bill Belichick at one time, right? So it's all the same knowledge down that coaching tree. And like Charles has trained... 30 people right so all these people know all this stuff and we put our own little spin on it so yeah this is technically from the charles thing but i learned it from pedro barone yeah, who's a this little is a little guy. crazy i've never seen something go a little lighter so we can really hit it get like like 35 the cool thing about this exercise this one crazy. thing i like to say is people think that you only can hit it with like super isolation like you know the pec deck reverse or something like that and this is an opportunity to take the rear delt and make it the primary mover in a compound pretty heavy exercise and now you know obviously these are just 35s and the only reason i'm doing this is so that he can see what it feels like to really isolate it so the first thing is it's going to look like a shrug it's going to feel like you're doing a doing a shrug for your traps and the first thing you want to do is feel the stretch in your traps by dropping everything down right mm. you feel that yeah now tuck your head down put your chin in your chest now without using your traps just pull your elbows up there you go. Can you feel that rear delt? Yep. Now, as you go down, let those traps hang to that spot every time. And so that way you feel the stretch there mm -hmm. and pull from here. They, no, leave those there. Okay. Leave those there. Just pull the elbows. There you go. There you go. It's a tiny little motion that just isolates that Ooh. rear delt. But we have to remember the traps, 
that's what they're there to do is to help our rear delt to move everything up, right? They help us to elevate that weight. So you have to think rather than lifting the weight, you're lifting your elbow to squeeze this rear delt. And that's it. It's a really small motion, but it puts so much tension right there in a way that you don't generally get. It's really unique. So imagine like he's using 35s. As he gets good at this, he'll be able to take this guy like this and just drop his shoulder and pull his elbows up as high as he can, right? And that's what you want. And even sometimes if you can't feel it, just drop the traps when you're there. You know, get them up all the way and then drop the traps and you'll feel those rear delts really grab on. Ooh. It's a great one, especially as a superset. But if you really want to feel the rear delt get mad, that's one of the things you can do. And, you know, dick to butt from the front or from the side, that rear delt brings so much depth to the way our physique looks from the side. It's important to have that full delt. Yeah, no, that's amazing. That is sick. Is there any arm exercises i know i'm throwing i'm oh, yeah. throwing you in the fire no, no 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 my arms are i mean i need to grow everything but my arms specifically my coach told me we need to grow i hate training arms it's kind of boring for me but is there any tricep or bicep exercise that you do that might be a little bit yeah unique let's start from with biceps this is this is the one i you know it's you say that and i've had the same exact critique i think guys that are really strong a lot of times, especially like you, you know, you started your training journey here with these guys. These guys are all fucking animals, right? They're strong. And so the pressure to move a lot of weight and to train the heavy stuff like rows, presses, squats. I mean, that's going to build a massive physique, chest, shoulders, back. You can always tell a guy trains hard when his back is big, right? But guys with big backs generally, as we're growing into our development, have smaller arms because we don't use our arms to be powerful. We use our back. So... That's probably very similar thing. I mean, I had the same thing. And one thing that helped me a lot was curls like this with constant tension. One, if you have a longer bicep, you should probably stick to dumbbell stuff more than machine or preacher stuff. Preacher curls are for guys with real short biceps. But this motion here is the only real curl that I do to start. And I start at 25s um, just to make it, you know, make it easier. But usually I'll go 25s, 30s, 35s, sometimes 40s. But we start up, so it's just a regular dumbbell bicep curl, but you start up and you curl here to there and keep this one up. And the trick really is to think, put your mind in the static hold, not in the curl, because the curl is going to happen mindlessly anyway. You're going to get that stimulation. But to hold your bicep contraction as you do the other curl just doubles the effectiveness of the motion. And that full range of motion with that static hold really helps to bring in, keep your palms open the whole time so the biceps are working. And so just start so. up, curl it, and then as you curl, go ahead, that one over there, and focus on this. And then squeeze that one, focus on it. Just like that. And it, so like I said, it's a real basic curl. There's nothing special about it, but it's just putting your mind in that static contraction builds that activation. I would do this after my chest workout pretty much every day for last year. Really? Every chest day. But something like this is just real basic. But tell me, you'll notice after about five or six, yeah. how much more that tension Especially comes in. Especially if you focus on the... That's the key. You have to focus one. on the static hold. You have to focus on keeping that contraction because your brain's first action is going to be to let your shoulder hold it and kind of relax, right? You don't want your shoulder to hold it. You want your bicep to hold it. And so even something just... It's just a simple curl. But over 12 to 15 reps with static, with static oh, yeah. tension, it really builds something big there. Yeah. So another question you mentioned <coughs> longer, shorter biceps. I'm still new to this. So when I look at 
my physique especially, I can't pick out, okay, this is, I have short biceps, I have long biceps. So sure. if somebody were, you know, didn't have a coach or somebody to tell them, how would they just yeah. look in the mirror? Just pull it off. The shirt? Yeah, put you in the spot, man. <sighs> <laughs> Makes it easier. There you go. Shit. Except I fucked up everything with the hat and everything. Oh, but it's easiest from, from this position to see it. Okay. So if you hold your arms out like that, just out wide, you'll notice your bicep insertion goes here to here, right? Your bicep inserts in here. Mm -hmm. So you have a long bicep. Whereas a lot of guys, their bicep insertion will be like here. Yeah. And so the bicep, as you flex it, see, you can see how long this is, right? Oh. So that's why those curls are going to work so much better for you. Because a lot of guys, you go to flex it, like some guys, I don't, I mean, we don't have anybody with a short bicep here, sorry. But <laughs> with, <funky>. a, <laughs> with a shorter bicep, it, you know, it, it'll, it'll peak much better. And so those guys, let's see, who's one? Kai Green. If you ever go, if you see Kai Green in a, in a front double bicep or something, his bicep is like that big and it stands up like that high because his bicep is so short. But for guys like us, we have to extend that arm all the way to get that tension to, to go all the way out there and get that bicep to move fully. Which is why a preacher curl is really not that good because you're only going to come out to like right there. Right. Right? I'm, not to say preacher curls are bad. By all means, do them. But understand that you're going to get more out of a bicep move like that when, the dumb, when you get a full extension and right. a full contraction than, than, than somebody with a shorter bicep. Where somebody with a shorter bicep, that would... That would hurt like shit, and they wouldn't want to extend their arm all the way. It'd be rough on their elbow tendons. Yeah, so. Okay. So, same thing with legs. Like, can I have. I'm very. Did I turn this off? No, you're good. Like, legs. Like, this. Do I have. Can you have a short quad or. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, you. it's a little less evident until you really get there. But yeah. usually, what you'll see is guys will have less outer sweep if you have a longer vastus lateralis okay. um and and you know you remember you're still developing so you'll see all that but yeah like the the, the quad tendon the quad shortness will be like here to here and the guys with a big huge outer sweep like think about big rami <sighs> big rami of course he does some other stuff to his quads to make him look that big but um it's shorter like you look and his vastus lateralis his, his outer sweep goes from like here to here and then it's way in here whereas other guys it starts up at the top of their hip as far as training goes, there's not, there's not that many little tricks that I know of for that. I mean, you just got to train everything yeah. when it comes to legs. But, um, you know, as far as legs goes, it's all the full range of motion seems to be a big thing. A lot of guys really like to just pump their legs with little short reps, mm -hmm. and that'll force a lot of blood in there. But then you end up really immobile and not able to, to even pose the way you really want to pose, yeah. I think. And I think one of the things, one of the least attractive things for me in a bodybuilder is a bodybuilder that they can't walk normally. You know, it drives me nuts. It's like, you know, how are you supposed to be the picture of, of, of muscular physique when you can't even move the yeah. way your body's meant to move? Right. You know, right. Stuff yeah. like that. Oh yeah. So then, training with Mike O'Hearn. I have a couple questions there because you talked about how he kind of showed you some power movements, mm -hmm. maybe like some heavy presses in the beginning of the workout or you guys i've seen all your guys videos yeah but the one thing that stood out was the technique you know you'll see a lot of bodybuilders come together and just try to kill themselves and just kind of go back and forth but the form is not there they get injured something happens you know something like that so is there anything you took aside from just i guess training with them and learning different power movements yeah. and implementing those into your training 
that you got from Mike. Oh yeah, man. One thing that you learn about Mike when you train with him is that his joints and tendons are like indestructible. Um, so you'll notice Mike never wears wrist wraps. Mike never wears a belt. Mike never straps. wears elbow sleeves, never wears straps. And, and, and I personally attribute it to the fact that Michael Hearn has been in a gym like this, like super training since he was 10, right? Like he started his whole life living in a powerlifting gym with some of the best powerlifters in the world. So from the time he was like 13, 14, he was training with men, right? And so as his body was developing, his tendons and stuff were developing to train like this, like really train. And so that's why I think his joints and stuff are just so indestructible. So much so that when I started training with Mike, people like Charles would tell me, hey man, be careful, man. You train with Mike, you get hurt. Because like you said, so many people get hurt training with him, yeah. trying to keep up with him. But what I learned was he does those crazy movements to maintain his mobility. Like it's, it's, it's not necessarily just to be strong in that movement, but like let's take the behind the neck shoulder press because that's a big one that both of us talk about a lot. Um, a lot of guys, anytime we put up a video where we're doing behind the neck shoulder press, people are gonna, the hate's gonna come through like, oh my God, that just killed my shoulder. My shoulder's fucked. Like, oh my God, I could never do that. And it's like, well, you can't do that because you stopped maintaining the ability to do that movement somewhere along the line. And so now your shoulders have degraded to the point, whether it's tightness, immobility, tissue damage, muscle boundness, whatever. You have degraded your ability to do that, and so now, of course, you can't. But by maintaining that ability, like by once a week, making sure you go, you grab the bar, you stretch out enough, and you bring that bar down to your shoulders and then press it up, you're conserving your strength and mobility. And I think that's one thing I really learned from Mike is that those movements aren't just to show off. He literally is that strong that four plates on the incline is, is normal for him for those one to two reps to really stretch through it and drive through it so his joints and his tendons stay that strong yeah. and that's I think something that's really important and that's why I really feel like it's so important to move especially under the heavy weight with the same level of, of, of intention and, and attention to detail that you do with your lighter sets like if you can take 135 lock your shoulder blades down stay completely still in perfect position bring the bar down press it up and squeeze it and activate your chest why can you not do that with 315 and if you can't do it with 315, take it down and make it so that you can. Because it's only when you don't maintain that position and you don't have that attention to detail, that's when you're going to get hurt. That's when you're going to blow something out because your body's not in the right position to do it. It's like a backhoe trying to dig a hole with its feet up. right? right. I don't know if you all know tractors, but the backhoe <laughs> has those little feet on the back. And you pick them up and you're just going to go all over the place. Yeah, yeah. So progress thing. technique before you progress the, the load on the bar. At least, at least along with it. You know, we forget how important technique is because we're not in a powerlifting meet. It's like, no, man, you're always lifting heavy weight, so you always need to have that attention. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you've been at Gold's for a while now. Yeah. I've heard, you know, I know it's, you said in the podcast, it's not the same. You're kind of like the last, I don't want to speak for anybody else, but you, I'm quoting you, the last notable bodybuilder at Gold's, right? Like, there's not many the of us there. The last big dude. There's not there, many of us there anymore. Everybody went to Vegas. That's what I like to say. Yeah. Everybody went to Vegas because it's cheaper and there's more gyms. Um, but yeah, training Gold's to me, ever since the first time I walked in, it wasn't like, thank God I'm at the Mecca of bodybuilding. Like, yeah, that was cool, right, to see all the guys. But what I really felt was a level of acceptance that I hadn't felt anywhere else. You've probably experienced this being a bigger dude. You know, you go into a gym you're not, us you're not usually in. 
right? And the first thing you notice is all the other guys that are big, like kind of like, hey, who the fuck's this yeah, guy? Yeah, me and mugging you. Yeah, you know, yeah. and and dude, there's a lot of ego in bodybuilding. I get it. I I feel it too. You know, somebody walks into Golds and I'm like, who the fuck's that guy? But the cool <laughs> thing about Golds is, when that guy walks in, we all go up and say, hey man, I'm Doug. What's up? Welcome to the gym. You know, and awesome. and I remember when I first walked into the gym, the first step in. This lady looked at me and was like, God damn, you're as big as a plane. <laughs> and I was like, man, I'm home. This, yeah. and, and so that's why I love Golds is because it's, it's, I'm home, yeah. right? We're celebrated for what we do. And, and, and everybody that's there, not everybody, I can't say everybody, but for the most part, the people that are there and have been going there for a long time appreciate the fact that everybody who's there is there to train. You know, we're there for, for the same reason, whatever sport or whatever we're doing, you know, and, and that's, that's what's beautiful about it. And I'm sure there are other gyms um, that are just like that. I mean, like Bev's is, Bev's is awesome, too. That, that Bev's is, is freaking amazing. But, but it's in New York. You know, yeah. gold is, it isn't what it used to be, but that's, we're trying to maintain it. We're trying to bring it back as much as we can. Right. It's still alive. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. didn't realize how important your environment is as far as just even training until I got here. Because a lot of people might look at you kind of funny or it might I don't know commercial gyms are iffy sometimes but being in the right gym environment can really elevate everything you're doing especially if you have a good support system like I know when I prepped everybody here mm -hmm. was like pushing me making yeah. sure I was good just always supporting oh so. man it's, I mean it, there's something special about being on you know being in the last five minutes of your cardio session when you haven't had any carbs and just having somebody walk by and be like hey dude good job yeah. You know, and it's like, yeah. so what? This is an individual sport and we're really just trying to be pretty. Like, I get it. This isn't the NCAA yeah. championships, right? But, but still, it feels fucking good to just know that people are behind you and that we're experiencing something like this together. Like, for me, with my clients, I mean, I have a full book of clients. And when I prep for a show, I know for a fact, because they've told me, my clients feel like they're prepping for a show. And their workouts get more intense because I'm a more intense person as a trainer. And they're excited for me and they you know they see me come in and drag ass and they know oh man well i better get to work like this guy hasn't eaten in three days you know shit like that yeah it, it breeds a whole, it breeds a whole culture and so like you say it's important the training environment but it's also important to remember that you know you you carry that on your shoulders too you yeah. know the more excited you are in the gym the better everybody else is going to be right stuff like that's important All right yeah 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 so listen to you chris cormier different guys that have came in and out rico i don't know his last name but you probably know rico For rico mcclinton no rico or the rico that was here yesterday from gold oh yeah no that yeah, i don't no, know rico. his last name mcclinton but, yeah McClinton, yeah yeah he's i've heard some stories about them is there anything i know you got to gold in 2015 but is there any crazy any weird funny story you have being there that long or has it kind of been chill for the oh, most no, part man there's so much let me i mean that that's you think oh, like, yeah. you, you think you were putting me on the spot trying to pick a bicep curl man no <laughs> these stories are way way crazy i mean you know there's a time cali not cali callum von moger was in there with with antoine and they were fucking curling 405 together so they had a, a straight bar together they were standing next to each other bicep curling 405 and callum tore his bicep Ooh. You know, they're just doing it for YouTube. That was crazy. Um, there's all Oof. kinds of stuff. I mean, back then, back in those days, it, it was probably a little crazier. I mean, Cormier was, Cormier was nuts. Love you, Chris. Yeah, but you're crazy as fuck. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he's a legend. I yeah, he's love a legend. Chris Cormier. He's one of my Cormier, favorite He's fucking awesome, man. He's great. I trained with him, and um, he's a killer. But, you know, he's crazy. And back then, it was just a little bit more, a little bit more open. But, but I mean, there's... There's tons of stories. There's tons of shit that goes down. I mean, Charles is in there 
still every day. And you see people come in, you see people come through. It's just a beautiful place. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I definitely got to go back and maybe get a training session in with you. Maybe take Absolutely. Mark and, yeah. Because last time I was too scared to talk to this yeah. guy because you were just walking around. If you ever see me jacked. in the gym, never be too scared to come to talk to me. I'll always talk to you. Always, yeah. always, always. Yeah. So, let's see. What else we got? I'll put these away because it's bothering me. You can tell I'm a trainer. Let's see. So is there, me being, I just turned 22. Everybody here is older than me. You guys have been through it. I'm heading right into it. Um, sometimes with, you know, with seeing some of the bad stuff in bodybuilding, the, ne the negative stuff, you know, maybe some, some people dropping dead, not to be dark, but stuff like that. I mean, that's real it, stuff. You, you talk about that for sure. Yeah, it can kind of turn me off, give me some anxiety because I am young and I do plan to do this for, I mean, as long as I possibly can. So is there any piece of advice you could give people my age, younger, or a little bit older, that are just getting into this that maybe would, just a piece that you wish you would have known when you were my age that I can take and maybe spread to other people or just take and use for myself. Anything, it could be for longevity, it could just be yeah. mindset, anything, literally anything. Uh, I, uh, let's see, let's see if I can put it together into a list of one, two, three real quick because there's so much. Um, number one, I think it's important to remember that the old guys, for the most part, actually know what they're talking about. You know, like, so if you, like, for, like Mark, you got all the great people around you, but in a commercial gym, maybe not everybody is, is what I would consider the old guy that knows what he's talking about, right? But, like, if there's a dude who has been training for, like, 20-plus years, has competed, and he's telling you, you know, you could, you, to slow down a little bit, to, to be patient, they know what they're talking about, right? You're not going to get anything out of rushing this game. And I think one thing that old guys always do is they, they always kind of be like, you're doing too much, you're doing too much. It's not necessarily too much, but those guys know what they talk about, what they're talking about. Give them the respect of their experience. Um, the second thing is that you, if you're going to live this life, you have to eat like a bodybuilder. That's like, it, it's the most important thing, right? Like some guys are like, well, when I get serious about it and I start to prep for a show, then I'll actually get on an eating plan. No, if you want the results out of this, like the guys you see in the magazines, you have to know, guys that you see in the magazines sit down every two hours with a spoon and eat a real meal. Like there is no getting around that. You must carry your food with you everywhere, take the extra time to prep it, and be a serious bodybuilder if that's what you want to be. Like, you know, there's plenty of guys who just want to go to the gym. That's cool. But you're telling me you want to be a bodybuilder. And, and, and the last thing, the most important thing, I think, is you have to realize that the beauty is not anywhere but the journey like the end goal is literally the end of the excitement for you so appreciate every part of the process every day because that's where the true beauty of the journey is 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 in that process that's where you learn that's where you grow that's where you that's where you experience all the new things i mean you know that last day of the show is just the last day of your journey right so appreciate what you're doing and and learn from it yeah that last piece I the beauty truly apply. is the journey yeah, I get lost in, you know, not appreciating or not, you know, maybe being super upset about my physique and then I'm not as present. I'm not enjoying the process like you're talking about and then it just goes away and then time flies. So I appreciate that. Well, look, man, like we can all look at our physique and get fucking pissed off. I'll share with you. 
um, the Cal, which was actually the last show I did in 2022 was the Cal Pro. And, you know, I, it was the last of three shows. I didn't look as good as I wanted. And, and, but the real lesson came from looking back after the fact, because I remember standing backstage, right? Like this is, I'm a show ready professional bodybuilder and I'm looking in a mirror and I, I literally, I can't really describe what I see, but it's disgusting, right? Like I just fucking, I hated it. So much so that I didn't even speak to my wife the whole way home. I was so ashamed of what I had put on stage. And then I look back a couple, a couple months later and I'm like, that's a great physique. I didn't see that backstage. And so we can all kill ourselves looking at the negatives. Yeah. But you have to remember, it's a process. You're growing into something. So obviously, you're not going to look the way you want to look. If you look the way you want to look, you're done. You're dead. You're finished. Right? So just look at the positives. Look at your growth. Look at your achievements. Look at the wins. Celebrate the wins and try to forget the losses because they're not there. They're just in our brain. Yeah. Well, yeah. thank you. That's perfect way to end this so Ooh. doug i appreciate you man thanks for having me dude it's great to meet you yeah we'll yeah. train a lot more we will let's do sure. it yep take a trip to golds but drop a comment leave a like let us know what you think we'll reply to everybody and yeah it's a pleasure getting the podcast with you doug.